Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Acts is a unique book in all of Scripture, unveiling not the Christ of the Gospels in his earthly ministry, but the Christ in resurrection, living, working, and spreading through his members as the church was established in the remote regions of the inhabited earth in the first century. We have another classic presentation today, Please stay with us for this Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a faithful co-worker of Watchman Nee in China, served the Lord Jesus for his entire life, eventually on nearly every continent, and he left us with a rich and bountiful harvest from his life of ministry. The Life Study of Acts is the basis of our program today, and we're pleased to present selected short passages from his spoken message on Acts chapter 18. Ron Kangas has joined us today as we once again continue to see the move of the Lord through the continent of Europe. Ron, welcome back to the broadcast. It's good to be back. I enjoy fellowshipping these points. Ron, this week we've been seeing the second great missionary journey, as it's called, of the Apostle Paul. We began the life study of Acts by seeing that Acts is a book of the propagation of the resurrected and ascended Christ through his disciples. And really, this is what we're seeing being worked out right now in these pages, isn't it? If we have God's view of what's recorded in Acts, uh, this is, in fact, what we see. If we have just a natural view, we will pay attention to events merely and to activities merely, and we may appreciate all the things that are recorded, the people that are saved, uh, churches that are set up and established. But what's crucial is the view that this is intrinsically and organically the increasing of Christ himself. It's the propagation, the spreading of Christ in resurrection through his disciples. So the Lord is working according to the principle of incarnation, by that principle, I mean that God does not work in these kinds of things apart from his people, but in them and through them. So Paul and his co-workers are extremely active, traveling, teaching the word of God, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and especially preaching Christ Jesus as the gospel. What really is happening is the increase of Christ uh, revealed in the Gospel of John chapter 3 in the way of revelation, but now carried out in action through the brothers and sisters as described in Acts. It's been interesting to see that it is not only the uh, things that the Lord does positively in the environment that have assisted this spreading, but many times it's 
the negative things that have the effect of a, a kind of boost into the direction that the Lord is pointing Paul. That's no accident. The key to Acts, actually, is the resurrection of Christ. The disciples, the apostles, were witnesses of the resurrected Christ. And the power of their living and ministry was not merely the outward power of the economical spirit, but the power of Christ's resurrection. Resurrection is life operating through death, passing through death, and conquering death. Death cannot hold it. Death simply gives it opportunity to expand. All this opposition releases more resurrection life for more propagation of Christ. Well, Ron, in this coming section, I'm looking forward to this. We're going to get a kind of a biographical view of the Apostle Paul now. Let's join Witness Lee. In the very beginning of uh, chapter 18, Paul stayed with Aquila and Priscilla because they were of the same tree. This indicates that while Paul was going full-time in the ministry of the Lord, he made a tent. Not like today's practice, once you become a clergy, you just become a preacher, a minister, or a missionary, and so forth without doing any kind of job, any kind of business. But what Paul practiced as a pattern, while he was ministering the word to people, he was still doing some work to make some money, not only for himself, but also for the sporting of his co-workers, the Corinthians, did say something very negative about him, that he was praying uh, some way to uh, get the money from them and so forth. So uh, Paul said he would rather die. He would not take anything from the Corinthians. So by this you could see uh, a good pattern. Uh, when we go full time, we shouldn't make that a profession. If we have a way that can make a living, do it. But if your burden will occupy you in full and uh, the environment could afford you a living, then of course you have to spend all your time on the Lord's work. Paul was ministering and working and going on with a number of younger ones. If Paul couldn't get the proper support financially, and how could his younger ones? So, he was forced to do such a treat, making tents that he could get uh, some uh, financial support by his own hands. This is a very good pattern, and uh, a new thing compared with the Levitical regulations. You know, all the... Levites lived on God's people's offerings. But in the New Testament time, that regulation was over. When the Lord Jesus was on this earth, according to Luke chapter 8, he was supported mainly by a group of sisters. He, the Lord Jesus, also had some younger ones with him. The earlier disciples 
who followed Jesus, they mostly followed him full time. So they also needed their financial support. We have to learn the lesson if uh, the environment, according to church situation, and the financial situation among the saints could not afford us something to live on, we should not give up our burden. We should still carry our burden, yet we must be diligent to do something like Paul did. So this is a good point here set up in the uh, Bible. Ron, as I mentioned, this portion really, I think, affords us a biographical view or sketch of the Apostle Paul coming from these chapters. And we're seeing not just Paul, the great apostle, being used by the Lord, but we get glimpses from time to time of just what kind of man, what kind of person Paul was. Today we see him regarding the matter of the support of the ministry, and specifically his support. This is a a touchy issue, and the pattern that we see is a remarkable one. Uh, It's quite unlike the situation that we most commonly are confronted with today, isn't it? It is very different, although we grant that some Christian workers have emulated Paul and have what they call a tent-making ministry. They may go into another country and take a so-called secular job and uh, and work there for the Lord's interests. Uh, We appreciate this and we respect this, but the common situation Really, if we're quite um, oh genuine about this, is that Christian workers regard their uh, work as a profession, and it may come replete, you know, with all the um, the perks associated with it. And because it's a profession that may be an alternative to other lines of work, there really isn't the thought of ever having to labor with your hands for your own support while simultaneously continuing to bear the burden uh, of the ministry. But Paul, he labored tirelessly. Surely he had the capacity and the burden to pour out all of his time for the work of the gospel and for teaching the word of God. But due to the situation at certain times, due to the environment, due to the lack of responsiveness from certain of the churches, he was forced to work. And he worked not only for himself, this is really touching, but for the support of his co-workers, most of whom really, if not all of whom, were younger. Where do you see today, and I don't say you don't see it at all, but where do you see it actually of someone who is really a capable servant of the Lord, who is not only using his time and energy for the gospel work, for the teaching of the word of God, for establishing churches, but is pressed by the practical need for his own living and for the support of his co-workers, so he does both. Paul could say he labored day and night. Uh, We see a couple of things here. Uh, Maybe I could mention three. We see that genuine faith does not mean that on the human side there isn't labor. This notion of someone has a certain faith and other people do all the work, you don't do anything but open the mail and get the gifts that come in, this is really suspect according to the word of God. 
Then second, we see how diligent Paul was in his humanity, uh, how hardworking he was. A lazy person cannot be the Lord's servant. Full-time means full-time. It doesn't mean eight hours a day taking care of spiritual things instead of having a secular occupation. And the third thing I would point out, there are many others, but we have to stay within the time limitation, is Paul's concern for the welfare of his co-workers. He didn't simply uh, charge them to do something. Rather, he was burdened that the work would go on, that his co-workers would be able to devote themselves to the work. So he entered into an arrangement in which he could, on the one hand, carry the burden of the ministry, and on the other hand, labor in a certain line of productive business, not only to meet his own needs, but also the needs of his co-workers. This is quite a remarkable person. Uh, I don't think he had a lot of time. Actually, he had no time for some kind of personal indulgence. He knew what he was living for. Uh, he knew what his time was for. He really was a living sacrifice, both in his ministry and in his working with his hands to fulfill his human responsibility, to meet his needs if they could not be fulfilled in any other way, and to meet the needs of his co-workers. So along with what some may call the supernatural dimension in Acts, we see the human side, the, the proper human character, a hard-working brother, a diligent laboring ox. We should appreciate this point very much and allow the spirit of reality to touch us, even to convict us, and eventually through transformation to reshape our character that we would follow this pattern in a living, organic way. Well, Ron, we're going to stay with uh, the Apostle Paul as really the focus today of this life study message. Uh, you mentioned we're seeing something of the human element. That's going to come out even uh, a little more intimately in this coming section. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. The Lord came to Paul in the night in a vision and told him, do not fear, because the Jews were plotting to kill Paul. But speak and do not be silent. I myself am with you. No man will attack you to harm you, because I have many people in this city. If you read the entire Acts, especially this portion, you could see the attack, the opposition, the resistance from the Jewish people was too strong. They did have a plot to do away with Paul. Where Paul went, they went, because they intended to get rid of him. They stirred up the city, and they brought Paul to the proconsul of the province that should be the governor. Using today's term, they brought Paul to Galileo and accused Paul that Paul preached to worship God, not according to their Mosaic law. That was a kind of terrible thing to Galileo. So Galileo told them, if some wrongdoing, if some crime, I will judge, but concerning these things, the name, the terminologies, your law, and so forth, get away from me. I don't have any time. So they were rejected. In good sense, that was good. 
to Paul, but in other sense, very dangerous. Because after the attitude of Galilee was expressed clearly to the Jews, the Jews became bold. Paul was preaching, ministering all the time, and at the same time, he was under the threatening of losing his life. The Jews all rose up against him and made a plot to kill him, to do away with him. So she was scared. He was willing to lose his wife, no doubt about it, but he still was a human. So she was grateful to the Lord. Some expatriates say, so she made a vow of thanksgiving. The vow, no doubt, in the way it was competed, was a vow for thanksgiving. Whenever a Jew had something that he should thank the Lord, he made a vow of thanksgiving. Now, you read the context for what Paul should have a thanksgiving vow to the Lord. Probably just for the Lord's protection of his life. From Asia Manor to Macedonia, down to Achaia, all the way to Jews were one in this plot to get rid of him. But all the way the Lord protected, preserved him. Even in a vision, the Lord came to him, do not fear. Don't you believe this were in the case he was fearing? To be killed. He was afraid of this. So that, I believe also, might be the reason he made a vow of thanksgiving. So when the day of the fulfillment will come, he hurried up to leave Achaia, to sail to Syria. On the way of his sailing, he stopped at Sinclair to complete his vow. But this you all can see what kind of situation there. But after the Lord appeared to him, he stayed a year and a half, even more, to accomplish his commission in that city. And the Lord gained the city, and eventually quite a site of church was raised up and established in Corinth. Then he went away in a way with Aquila and Priscilla, and on the midway, they stayed in Tinkrian and finished the vow. Brother Ron, it seems as, as we read the New Testament account of Paul and his life, he seemed to be continually threatened. You know, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was at times the target of endless plots, even assassination attempts. As a man of faith, uh, we would probably conclude that eventually... Uh, he would become somewhat immune to fear since the Lord had even miraculously saved him out of so many of these circumstances. But what do we see in this portion about how Paul likely felt regarding these endless threatenings? Here I would like to bring up a, an obvious point. Paul was human. In Second Corinthians 4, he said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is the beauty of God's New Testament economy. Christ is the treasure, and this treasure has been dispensed into and wrought into earthen 
human vessels. Because we have Christ in us as a treasure, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Actually, he himself is our faith. And by him as our faith, we believe in him for our protection, for our supply, for so many things. But we're still earthen vessels. And these earthen vessels are fragile. And uh, we're not supermen. We're not heroes. Paul was not such. In his human side, there could be uh, fears. He says in Second Corinthians, within were fears. There is the understandable concern for his well-being. He's not a man of stone. He's not a block of wood. He's an earthen human vessel with feelings. The very fact that the Lord, when he appeared to Paul and spoke to him, would say not to be afraid implies that Paul had some fears. Any human being would. It's seeing his humanity that actually in the Lord endears him to me more than uh, ever before. If he were some kind of super being that didn't have the ordinary human feelings, it would be hard to regard him as a pattern for us today. But we can relate to a dear brother who on the one hand is filled with the Lord, lives by faith in the Lord, on the other hand knew what it was like to have these ordinary human feelings. Ron, we have uh, one very touching point yet to go in this life study. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Paul went back to Syria. He didn't go to Antioch directly. He went up to Jerusalem. Of course, the name is not mentioned here in verse 22. So, from Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem to greet the church in Jerusalem. Why? Just because of the problem that was solved in chapter 15. You know, after the solution of the problem in chapter 15, Paul took the second journey. And now, at the end of the second journey, after the second journey, he went to visit the church in Jerusalem. Now, we can see how much Paul was endeavoring to keep not only the oneness of the body, but also a happy feeling between him and all the saints, especially Peter and James, in Jerusalem. He didn't need to go there. He could just went to Antioch right away from his landing at Caesarea. But he turned to the south to visit the church in Jerusalem and took a long way from Jerusalem to go down to Antioch. By this you all can see that he endeavored to keep the oneness of the body in a very present and happy way. Could you see this? Ron, this is one of those revealing and very touching points that Witness Lee could always seem to discover as he combed through the pages, the verses in the Word of God. Recount this matter of Paul taking the time and the trouble at the end of what must have been a very exhausting, certainly a long journey, so that he could make a stop, a visit to Jerusalem. Yes, why would he do this? He has been gone a very long time. There have been threats on his life. He has suffered 
all kinds of outrageous treatment. And of course, he has seen quite remarkable results from his prevailing ministry. But instead of going back to the point of origin, he is determined to make a stop at Jerusalem. Why is that? We have to understand this in light of what Paul writes concerning not only the Christian life, but the body life in his epistles. Paul was concerned not merely for his own work. Greater than that was Paul's concern for the body of Christ as a whole. Even though we may say Jerusalem had not been measured out to him for the sphere of his work, yet Paul was burdened for the situation there. We believe, based upon the account in Acts, he was not fully at peace with what happened in chapter 15. According to the discernment he had from the Lord, he realized there was mixture there, there was compromise there. So Paul, we believe, in addition to fulfilling the burden of his own ministry, had a further burden. Even he was constrained by this burden and pressed by it to visit Jerusalem, to care for the body, and to care for the purity and integrity of the revelation given to him by God concerning God's New Testament economy. So I add a little P.S. or a footnote to that line of fellowship. What a remarkable person he became in the Lord. How broad was his heart. He didn't have the attitude, look, I, I, I work so hard, I, I labor day and night, uh, don't ask me to do any more. I can't bear any more. Well, Paul knew what he was doing. He knew that his work was not as an end in itself. It was for the building up of the body of Christ. And he was for the Lord's body because he was for the Lord's heart's desire. And therefore, despite his evident exhaustion and need of a respite after such an arduous journey, he was faithful to his burden concerning the body of Christ and concerning God's economy. What a brother and what a pattern for us. We are really seeing and have really seen a remarkable pattern. And as we have gotten into his life and living, his practice, and not just his faith and the mighty works that were accomplished, we have really, I feel like, gotten to know, Ron, a little bit, this man, the brother, our brother, Paul. Well, we thank the Lord for this, for his faithful ministry. That's a fitting note, I think, to end this live study. These printed messages in their entirety are invaluable aids as we do study the pure and holy word of God. And so we would like to commend this one to you as well. This is live study number 48, and it's in volume number three of the four-volume set that we talk about on the live study of Acts broadcast each day. So if you're interested in this resource, we would like to offer it to you and give you a toll-free number. You can call us, and uh, we'll give you information and get it off to you right away. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Also, you can ask about it when you write to us. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kingus today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia, and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.